When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics, they beat the Lakers yesterday. And any day that the Celtics beat the Lakers, it's going to be a great day. Joining us to talk all about it, it's Wayne Spoonie. Spoonie, how's it going, man? Good, man. Who needs Banner 18? We beat the Lakers in Summer League, yeah, baby. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Hang a banner for that. Um, yeah. yeah, so we haven't really had your thoughts on on the whole Summer League situation since things got started. Last time we heard from you, Spoon, was right after, or basically during the uh, the Grant trade, which is now mm-hmm. being made official. Um, the Celtics, they beat the fucking Lakers <laughs> 95 to 90. We've got to start with that guy, uh, Jordan Walsh. Walshy, what are your what are your thoughts on our mate Walshy Spoony? And uh, do you think he's played himself into a rotation spot, or is it too early to tell? Yeah, I think ultimately it's too early to tell, right? Like you got Brissett, who's essentially going to be competing for minutes with him, and he's a you know he's a vet who's who's played real rotation minutes on bad teams before, and then Banton's pretty good size, so I think it's too soon to say he's as we're getting Walshy's dropped in the chat, which I appreciate. Um, <laughs> I think it's too soon to say he's played himself into a rotation spot, but 38th pick, we knew he was going to be raw offensively, but you know, you go in with pretty depressed expectations for second round picks, which I would like to get to about JD Davison in a little bit here, Ben, but um, I think he's played about as good as you could possibly expect, right? I mean, he's making threes, which his jump shot, is like this weird combination of doesn't look that bad. Some it looks like pure as hell sometimes, and then pretty sure he airballed two wide open threes against oh, yeah. the Lakers. So, um, I think the big thing with him is his base is all over the place. Like his he's got the pre like two seasons ago Derek White, where his legs are just like set up all over the place, and if your base isn't consistent. It doesn't matter how pure the upper half of your body is. You're just going to be an inconsistent shooter. Luckily, that's super fixable. So I'm extremely, extremely encouraged from what uh, we've seen from Walsh on the offensive end. He's got some a little bit of pop off the dribble, has flashed like a, I wouldn't say above average playmaking, but he clearly understands how to play offense and where he's supposed to be and where his teammates are supposed to be, which I think is like super important. Is probably a skill we underrate, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, like you look at a guy like Neesmith, who I'm a big fan of, but his game is like shoot the three or pass it to a point guard yeah. or drive. Like, you know what I mean? Like while she's making, I think, more mature reads than Neesmith probably will in his entire career. So I am I, I'm I'm getting a little drunk on the wall. She oh, yeah. right now. I need to I need <laughs> to tone it down because the defense is as advertised. I know you noted he gets kind of hammered on screens a little bit which he does when he gets screened, he gets mashed. But I do think he does a really good job of like setting himself up not to get hit at all. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, and dude, when he was just like all over Hood Shifano and like picking his pocket and oh, stuff, dude. I mean, come on, man. That's come pawn. on. It's Celtics pawn. It's so good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I love uh, his his mentality and his approach to the game. And he got interviewed uh, during the game, I think, against the Lakers. And it just gave us a bit more of an insight into his mental approach to the game. And he's clearly like so aligned with the team's goals, which is like enhancing uh, the life of the Jays and the, and the playing time of the Jays. And he talked about like, it's not about himself. It's about like giving the team the best advantage possible to win the game. And he clearly came out in the second half, particularly to begin the third quarter with that mentality. And I love like, we, we don't need any stars. We just need like really finely tuned uh, it, sort of encouraged role players. And like, he's clearly like he's yeah. the 38th pick. He knows where he stands in the NBA food chain. And it's like game three of Summer League and he's all about that life. I love to see it. So I'm drinking the Kool-Aid as well. Um, I have, I am drunk on the Kool-Aid. That is how I'm living my <laughs> life right now. I'm very happy that way. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at his stats now, like 25 points, only two turnovers, which is pretty good. Yeah. 10 of 20 from the field. Uh, he's got a, he flashed a bit of a mid-range game as well, like coming off that pick and pulling up and around the nail and, and popping that shot. He's hit a couple of those as well. So that and the playmaking, like you mentioned, Spoonie, like when you don't expect to see those things and then you see them, it's all about how it's relative to expectations to, to see that uh, in these first few games here as a Celtic, albeit in Summer League. Um, very impressive. Yeah, and, and when... He- yeah, agreed. And when he's looked bad, it's on stuff he's never going to be asked to do. Like he, sometimes he'll look bad, like running a high pick and roll as, as like the primary ball hander. Like, OK, like Jason Tatum's going to be out there. Derek White's going to be out there. Malcolm Brogdon's going to be out there. Like he's never, ever, ever going to be asked to do that. But when he's asked to spot up, shoot a corner three or drive a closeout and make the right play. He's looking pretty solid at doing it. Obviously, it's summer league. We know it's summer league. Like, we know there's nothing, you know, there's not uh, nothing else to get excited about, right? So, you're muted, Ben. You're muted. Whoops. <laughs> uh, I said it's all we have. <laughs> that and exactly. my technical mistakes while doing a live podcast. Um, <laughs> it's all we have. And so, it's what we're going to get excited about. Um, yeah. There was a question in the chat from uh, this is my Nuggets mate Dice who's making an appearance here. Spoonie, are you willing to recant your MPJ slander? Okay, so my take, my take on MPJ was always that like I don't think he can be the third best player on a championship team. He wasn't. Aaron Gordon was their third best player, and I think you could argue Bruce Brown might have been their fourth best player. So congratulations, MPJ. You're an average starter who's great (laughs) offensively and bad defensively. That's that the the slander is correct in this instance. Like I understand he's a great offensive player, but I just didn't think like if he's your primary wing defender, you're going to go very far. And neither did the Nuggets because they got two guys to defend on the wing for him. So totally. no, I will not dice. <laughs> it's not even slanderous. It's factual. No. But shout out <laughs> to everyone you. in the chat. We love we love the comments. Yeah. We love responding to them. Um, okay, so Jordan Walsh, I think we've done enough on him over two podcasts now with very small sample yeah. size. Who else do you like on this on this summer league roster? All right. First of all, Ben, there was some serious J.D. Davison slander on this last podcast. 11 turnovers. What were we going to do? I had to do it. <laughs> I know. I know. I actually think your, um, your, your analysis of like how he's been playing is right in that like he's shown some things. Like I think the playmaking has been like really impressive at times, like setting guys up with the dribble, passing dudes open. Um, defensively, I think he's been kind of fine. I mean, he gotten beat once in a while, quick hands, the sort of what we expected. The size lets him down once in a while. But the one thing I want to address, right, is you were like, 
my expectations were much higher for him. Okay. (laughs) I want to go through the history of the 53rd pick. Okay. Let's do it. The best player at 53 by far, and it is not close, is Rasul Butler. Razzie Butts. After that, yeah, it was not bad. (laughs) He's a solid role player in his day. The second best is um, someone who I've not heard of. And then the third best is DeAndre Liggins, who is like a wing that was on the Cavs during the LeBron years, who was not very good Mm -hmm. and is out of the league, right? So all all I want to come with is... The fact that the 53rd pick is flashing any NBA skills whatsoever, we should be pretty hyped about that. So I want you to, this is the first time I've really ever seen you not just chug the green cooler, like 11 turnovers, like, hey, a couple of those weren't his fault. Yeah. Like one time he got trapped, he dumped it to Yadoka Azubuke, who had his back turned to him mm-hmm. for some reason. Like, um, So... He's, he's going to turn it over. He's not NBA ready. Absolutely not. But let's, let's come on. Lower those <laughs> expectations just a little bit and enjoy the good, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I think I did add the caveat amongst all that criticism that he is sharing yeah. the court with four guys who essentially have no idea what they're doing and that would contribute. Yeah. That's what I blame when I had turned the ball over five or more times in a game. So there is that, that known caveat. And then you know, I guess more recently and more importantly, like he completely turned it around in the game against yeah. the Lakers yesterday. Today, one turnover, uh, real floor general vibes, and you know mm-hmm. we were just picking up Walshie for his for his play. But um, JD Davison did sort of seem like a, a leader out there on the court, and that that's more aligned with my expectations of him relative to like the standard that we would typically see in the summer league. And I, I guess that's where my heightened expectations came from for, for JD's perspective. Like he's got a lot more experience than the majority of the guys out there on the court. So I, I do expect a little bit more from him, at least within the confines and the standards set by Summer League. And he displayed that yesterday. So I don't know. I feel a little bit vindicated. Like I was right to have those <laughs> expectations of him because he, he fair he, enough. You know, he held himself to them yesterday. Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit tongue in cheek because I'm a big JD guy. So I just got to <laughs> I got to fight for the brand a little bit. So no, I'm with you. I, I wonder if um, and this is the first we saw Delano Banton. I wonder if having another ball handler out there took some of the pressure off him feeling like he had to create absolutely everything because he really did those first two games. I mean, if he didn't have the ball in his hands, that offense was looking real stalled out and there was not a lot going on. So um, I thought Ben kind of had a mixed game. I thought, what did you think about uh, D Banton's game? I think he came out and splashed like his first three point attempt, which was not super wide open. And I'm thinking, no. here we go, Brad Stevens. Yeah. He's done it again. Uh, and then ultimately went, what, what, like three of 17 from the floor or something, something yeah. close to that. Um, three of 19. It was not good. Yeah. Um, no. But I felt like, uh, you know, six assists. I thought he had some playmaking chops that he, he put on display. I really liked his ability to get to the rim. I thought once he came mm-hmm. off a pick, he had a really good ability to get downhill execution and decision making from that point you know questionable but a, a nice foundation from which to work with there what did you think of, of uh banton yeah i'm, I'm with you it's, there's something really fun about like a six seven guy who can handle the ball like that yeah. like that's the type of player i always tried to make in like nba 2k and stuff is like i'm gonna be a point forward yeah. and <laughs> he really was is pretty slick with the handle for that size i mean he was kind of blowing by people that's why it's disappointing he couldn't score because he was getting into the lane at will I wonder if we see when he's up with the big team, like you're probably a lot more likely to kick it out to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown when you get into the lane than you are to 
Justin Bean, <laughs> some dude who Baldwin, who apparently is on the summer league team, had not seen him previously. Uh-huh. Um, so I wonder if he was just like ch- he was definitely chucking a little bit. He had a couple like fadeaway pull up twos where it's just like, dude, that is completely the wrong play. <laughs> but he seemed like a little bit too good to be there. And that was like made him look worse than he actually is, I sure. think, maybe a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and defensively, I think he held up really nicely as well. Definitely. Not that, again, like talking about the standard of Summer League, not that like anyone's going at him with any particularly high skill set, although the Lakers, um, they do have a couple of nice prospects, young prospects on their roster. But defensively, I think is where like his bread will be buttered and where he'll find playing time for the Celtics this season if he does at all. So to see that as advertised, I think was um, was pretty impressive. Who else? I, I think we haven't had the opportunity to hear the, the Spoonie take on, on Jay Scrub, who has probably been one of, if not the most impressive yeah. prospect on the on the Celtic Summer League roster. Yeah, so when I was on with Jake, I went on a, uh, out on a limb and I was like, look for Jay. I've been a Jay Scrub guy since the draft, yeah, man. man. I'm telling you, he is explosive to the rim. That dude's first step is lightning. I think the issue I have with Jay Scrub is that like, he looks awesome when he gets to take 16 shots a night yeah. and like the offense revolves around him and JD Davison's doing everything he can to get him good looks. Like that's not going to be his role. Right. So like if you're blowing a two way on a guy, the idea is like, we have a vision of how this guy can be a role player next to our stars. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely zero because he's <laughs> shooting the ball decently from three. He has never shot the ball well in his entire career. So um he's been super he's just blown by these like g league defenders and he averaged like 23 or 24 in the g league this past season so it makes sense that he looks really good in the summer league i just i think my concern is like what what is his role on an nba team where you have to play next to like a lot of high usage stars like because he's not a spot-up shooter although I've kind of been impressed with his defense. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of like getting in the mix. He's playing really hard. He, when he gets down into a stance, I think he's pl- you know he's staying in front of guys. So I'll be interested. Would you give him the the one of the two ways, Ben? I think we've got a few more games to get a better look at him first. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. Like so, six of twelve from the floor for Jay Scrub in this game. Like, can he come in and go like two of three in eight minutes, right. a la Sam Hauser? Um, and I don't know if we can like simulate that for him in summer league. I would say that if he continues to play this well, and like the other question is like, well, who else are you going to throw the two way contract right. at? Maybe you just do it because it's like it, financially speaking, and in terms of like the cap and everything, it's like basically a nothing investment. It's all upside as far as his potential. He is quite young. I do worry about, and this is probably like hypercritical, but the the Carson Edwards effect. In terms of like you're coming in summer oh. league, you chuck the ball and you, you have like a hot streak over a couple of weeks in Vegas. You're feeling good. You know, the the, the joints are, are all lubed up because of the heat and the humidity. You're, you're playing well, um, speaking as an old guy. Uh, and then you go back to Boston, it's cold and, and suddenly you stiffen up. You, you can't throw the ball in the ocean a la Carson Edwards. I do worry about that a little bit, but it's not like we're hopefully going to throw a four-year contract at him. And therefore, it's low risk, potentially high reward. I'd probably give it to him at this point. Yeah, I, I think I would too. But no, you are spot on. This is like some serious Carson Edwards vibes <laughs> where it's like you can do whatever you want and you look great. But if you were doing this on the Celtics actual team, Joe Mazzulla would pull you in like a minute yeah. because he'd be like, pass the damn ball. Because, uh, you know, once in a while he'll, fash, he'll flash a little passing, but he is not a passer. Like this dude has one goal in mind and it's put the ball in the bucket. And I'm just not sure there's really a role for that anywhere. But hey, he's made the summer league team 
way more watchable than if we didn't have them. And for that, I'm very appreciative, Jay Scrub. Yeah, especially when it comes to beating the Lakers, which is like all yes. I have right now. I was If we had lost yeah. that game, I was like fully back into... I won't say conference finals level of like desperation watching, but I was I was close and it was nice to feel that again for the first time in a while. So great to have beaten the Lakers and thanks to the J Scrub and everyone involved. So we talk about all of this and we funnel all of our findings so far into the, the big question, which is how are we going to re- replace Grant Williams minutes and production? Um, not that he had necessarily long stretches of that, thanks to um, Joe Mazzulla throughout the regular season. Who do you see, and we'll bring in um, Brissette, uh, Brissette rather, into this question as well. Who do you see replacing the majority of, of Grant's minutes? Yeah, I, I think the uh, Hauser is definitely going to have a role replacing Grant's minutes, but he already had a role, mm-hmm. right? So, like, maybe because Grant did end up averaging like 20 minutes a game, right? Like, and there's nights where we needed him for 30 plus minutes a night, and like, Hauser's not going to take all of that. Um, so it comes down like I, I think you're looking like what wing is going to get 15 minutes a night off the bench if Hauser jumps them and they're in the Hauser role kind of right. Does that make yeah. sense? Um, I think the guy who's going to get the first shot and who probably will end up doing so is Oshai Brissett. Yeah. I just wrote at length about him for Celtics blog. The more I watched him because I only had seen him against the Celtics and he balls out of his mind against (laughs) us. He is not that good, man. Like he's got some serious holes in his game. So I would, this is maybe kind of going out on the limb for the 38th pick. Um, I would not be shocked if Walsh steals his job by like March. I really would not be just because he is so much better defensively than Brissett. Mm-hmm. And then there's Banton, who I think will bounce between playing wing and guard. But I, I think it's going to be Walshy, dude. And maybe I'm crazy, but I think it is. No, I think that's fair. And just you know, purely because of of um, how many holes, like you said, Brissett has in his game, like the opportunity is going to be there for Walshy to play himself into that role. I, I can't wait to see Jordan Walsh on an NBA floor, like just to see how he holds up because he's pretty raw as well. But, you know, we'll give him a lot of rope because of how, you know, how late he was drafted and how new, new he is to the league. Um, I do see... Um, Delano Banton probably coming in for some defensive reps as well, as far as like plugging the holes left by Grant Williams. Um, but, you know, we've been having this conversation offline and in the Celtics blog Slack for the last couple of days as well, because it's obviously a pretty divisive subject as to whether or not the Celtics should have brought back Grant Williams. And it seems like the most reasonable take there is that like no one felt comfortable, no one, as far as ownership is conf- concerned, felt comfortable paying that much tax money. Um, for a guy who was barely going to make the rotation, you know, thanks to Joe Mazzola. So we're, we're plugging these holes here with guys who are going to play spot minutes. And I think Delano Banton with his defense can come in and fill some of those holes as well. Um, anyone else who sort of qualifies for this part of the conversation? I think we hit on all the names there. Yeah, I mean, I think the the flip side is you just run Tatum a ton of minutes. And um, again, you know, Porzingis is... <laughs> Or like, I don't know how, I guess it really also comes down to how comfortable you are running Porzingis at the four for long stretches of time. And I think the answer to that is we're probably going to be really comfortable with it. I don't know if I love that, Um, but it goes back to something I've been noticing about what we're doing in summer league. We have been playing a ton of zone in the summer league 
And I don't recall doing that last year and the year before. I really think they had him put the switch everything system, even with the summer league squad, because Joe's there. Yadoka was there. Brad was always there. Like Tony Dobbins isn't making stuff up on the fly for himself. Like this is an organizational decision Mm -hmm. to run zone as my cat walks by my computer and shakes my entire screen. That's great. Uh, This is an organizational decision to like run zone in the summer league and see how it works. And I think that goes back to the absence of Grant Williams, who is for his faults, a, a positive switch defender at the four, which we don't really have right now. So I think we're going to see a lot of zone with that double big look in Rob, like tucked on a wing and just flying in from the wing and Porzingis just camped around. Um, and it's about time, yeah. right? Like it's about time. We're the ones running zone. Am I crazy? We've been losing to the zone for yeah. like centuries now. So to finally yeah. bring it in for ourselves is uh, really nice. And I also felt like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, they were mixing it up a la the Miami Heat where mm-hmm. they were in 2-3. Yes. Then the Lakers would come down the court and suddenly they were in like 2-1-2 two, two, or a, what do you call it, like a diamond zone. It felt like they were actually mixing up the, the zone formations as well, which um, for a bunch of summer league scrubs is uh, pretty impressive. So I, I look forward to them implementing that. I feel like um, from a, like holding up uh, phys- physically during the regular season, playing more zone sort of feeds into that as well. Like it's a little bit mm-hmm. uh, less uh, tenacious and demanding on the body playing and guarding your yard rather than like chasing guys off screens and things like that. And it really um, feeds into the, uh, I'll say it, the dimensions of Kristaps Porzingis as far as does. how he can contribute to his own defense as well. So uh, very exciting. Hopefully it's an indication of, of what's to come there. What if- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What have you got in terms of an, a sample bet for, for the summer league with FanDuel? Okay, late night game, right? T-Wolves, Kings, those t- tend to be kind of high scoring. They have some fun players on their summer league teams. The over is at 183.5. Even money, essentially, minus 110. Hit the over, late night game, cheer for points. It's the best way to watch a neutral basketball game. <laughs> over T-Wolves Kings this evening at 9 p.m. I am going to get on that. That's a, That sounds like a hot yeah. tip. Gamble responsibly. <laughs> uh, yeah, good yes, stuff. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shout out to FanDuel and CLNS. Um, last thing that we'll wrap, on, wrap up on here, it's going to be a shorter podcast. Um, the Jalen Brown situation where every day I wake up, because the news obviously breaks <laughs> overnight here in Australia, you wake up to what has, or in this case, hasn't happened. And there's a, a cumulative... Uh, exponentially increasing level of like shock mm. and worry that I wake up with every day when I wake up to the news having not broken that Jalen Brown uh, has uh, signed his contract extension. And Brad Stevens joined the commentary team during the second quarter of last night's game. Uh, and we've got a couple of quotes here. So, quote, I can't really talk about it, but it's been all good discussion. Brad Stevens said, quote, we want Jalen to be here for a long, long time. And we've made that clear. We're looking forward to all sitting down. Like, why haven't you done that already, Brad? Uh, and we have time here. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say anything else, but I feel optimistic, which is like classic Brad Stevens, like nothing to see here. Stop asking me about this. I'm telling you nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. We talked about it offline, Spoonie, and you said that you're not really concerned at all. So say more on that front. 
Okay, you've seen Goodwill Hunting, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, you know the scene where Matt Damon and Robin Williams are in Robin Williams' office, and he's just like grabbing him, and he's like, "It's not your fault." <laughs> he starts crying. It's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be okay, Ben. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. So part of what I do for work in my real job, because we don't get paid nearly enough money to do this, although I hope we do one day. Please, that'd be nice. Um, yes, it would. Uh, is that I negotiate contracts. That is part of my job. And it seems like these things should go quickly. And it's like, we're so close to being done. Why doesn't this just happen? So Jalen Brown's on vacation, right? Long season. His agent's probably calling him like, hey, JB, the Celtics got the first offer down. Like, let's talk about it. Like, what do you think? He's like, hey, man. <laughs> catch me in vegas like i'm on I, I don't i don't want to talk about that right now like i've had a few drinks like i'm chilling by a pool i'm on the ocean like not right now let's do it in vegas so it comes out like the the reporters like oh this will probably get done in vegas it'll probably get done in vegas right we heard all those reports and then his agent's like hey jb we're both in vegas let's meet up over dinner and talk about this and he's like yeah Absolutely, man. I just have this event I got to go to tonight. And then me and Tatum are going out to the bar. Oh, and Michael Rubin's having a party. So like, we will sit down in the next couple of days and talk about my contract, I promise. But we got plenty of time to sort this out, dude. Like, often these extensions are signed in like October. I think the deadline is November sometimes. Mm -hmm. So like, there is plenty, plenty of time. And like, deadlines create action when it comes to negotiating contracts and if you got a deadline in three four months there's no need to rush to get it done and i guarantee you guarantee you that is what's happening right now and even brad said like we're taking care of some stuff before you know that becomes our number one priority but we're confident essentially it's going to happen and we want him here long term like he's not going to turn it down he will not turn it down so it's going to happen it's just like this is the nature of like agreeing to contracts and getting your your clients to actually listen to you and sit down and discuss it. It's hard work. So that's great. That's a really good uh, perspective there from a, from a qualified person in, in that field <laughs> in Spoonie. So in all the contracts that you've had experience in, in, in drawing up and having your clients sign, were any of them to be made uh, ineligible to be then put in as part of a trade for Damian Lillard if they signed that contract? <laughs> you know, that is not a factual scenario I've come across <laughs> in the past, Ben. I will say that. Hopefully one day I'm in that position. <laughs> yeah, but sweet. yeah, uh, obviously, like this is much more public than what I'm doing and the goofy stuff I'm working on and much more important to a larger percentage of people. But to Jalen, he's probably thinking like, I'm going to get paid. Like, it's going to happen. Like, I will, you know, when I'm on my own time, ready to sit down and discuss it, I will. He's not thinking about us freaking out every time we wake up in Sydney, Australia and are like <laughs> concerned he hasn't signed it yet. Like that's the furthest thing from his mind. So like it's going to happen. And frankly, the flip side is if it doesn't, we've already made like the the issue the argument for not signing Jalen to the supermax is you're going to have to make sacrifices around the jays to pay him the sacrifice has already been made mm -hmm. right like grant williams is gone if we weren't going to sign Jalen brown to a supermax 
we probably would have just matched that contract, right? To retain the asset because our books would have been much cleaner without $50 million a year on them. So I think the way they handled Grant didn't take any money back. They just got second round picks. They made sure they involved a third team with cap space so they didn't have to take a dime back. That to me indicates Jalen's that that supermax is getting done. Yeah, totally. And shout out to to Jesse in the chat who uh, also has a great YouTube channel, very Celtics and Boston sports oriented. Nice. Shout out to everyone in the chat. Really, we really love having you guys here and reading your comments as we uh we try and um just rifle through the, the very thin layer of, of Celtics content <laughs> that's available to us uh, at this moment. Yeah, so um, I agree with everything you're saying, and you make some really good points there, Spoonie. And it sounds like from reading uh all the articles and not just reading the the tweet headlines. Uh, which I have tended to do, but I'm really digging for details yeah. lately. So I'm, I'm reading everything in full that it's it's really hanging on the finer points like player option um, and, you know, trade kickers and little uh, trimmings, as Joe was calling it on the pod uh, the other night. There is a, a trade exception. I think it's 6.2 mil or thereabouts from shipping out Grant Williams. Um, and I mentioned that to ask as we wrap up here, Spoonie, like what other moves do you anticipate being made by Brad Stevens and Mike Zarin during this offseason. Obviously, we know nothing. There's nothing being reported. Um, the Celtics have typically been pretty secretive when it comes to like rumors leaking out and things like that. Um, do you anticipate anything happening over the next few weeks? Yeah, I'll be really interested to see what position we talk because I think we need another vet. Uh, I think there's there's space for another vet men to come in. So I'll be really interested to see um, what position we target with another vet men because we're at this point, we're a pretty desirable location for a vet. Um, I wonder if we'll go big. Uh, I, I don't think there's a ton of bigs out on the market. I, I mean, I've got the free agent tracker up. And, uh, you know, Christian Woods out there, who I am not a fan of, but, you know, he might be trying to prove himself. Uh, I don't know. Did uh, uh, I think Bismack Biombo is available? Yeah. <laughs> like, is he big? I think, the, yeah, I think these are the types of names we're probably looking at. So um, I, I think Willie Hernan Gomez might still be around, who would be a guy I'd actually be interested, age appropriate, has flashed a little bit on the Pelicans. So, I think we'll probably go big. Um, Banton seems to be kind of the deep bench ball handler for set the wing. And then I think we're due for for a big. Uh, although Corn Dog's probably better than all these guys, right? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you add the, yeah. you know, in lieu of Blake Griffin re signing, like just the pure locker room vibes, we, we need to keep that guy around. Yeah, I'm surprised we're not bringing Blake back. Actually, yeah, I'd heard you? I'd heard murmurs that he's like maybe considering retirement. Maybe it's not mm-hmm. it's not necessarily locked in that he's even going to come back anywhere next year. Um, I'd like to think that we'd be his default destination uh, if he does. Um, for the vibes, if nothing else, and like just the 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 taste, the the chance of a spicy Blake Griffin dunk anytime he's on the court, right? Still there. He wasn't bad. Yeah, he, he was, was not bad. He was good. He, and he had, yeah. I think he had a couple of good moments during the Hawks series as well. Uh, and yeah. one really questionable moment as well, but I'll put that on Joe, <laughs> not on Blake. Um, but he's been great. Um, do you find yourself, because I find myself wondering this when I wake up to the added disappointment that uh, we haven't uh, re-signed Jalen Brown yet, uh, the hope that maybe they'll divide Malcolm Brogdon's larger contract into two pieces, making about 10 mil per. Because it kind of feels like as the dust settles on the offseason, that's sort of becoming less and less likely. Here's yeah, I, I don't think I I actually think at this point we kind of need Brogdon because if you turn Brogdon into a worse ball handler, 
you are really thin on ball handlers at that point, right? Because like Derek White, for all his greatness, is not really a primary ball handler. Like a lot of that load's gonna he can, he can do it. He can do it next to Tatum, that's for sure. Um, but like, are you gonna get a player better than Brogdon? I I highly doubt it. Maybe you get a better fit, but um, you definitely can get somebody healthier. But then, so you're turning him into a worse guard and then what, like a better wing? Mm -hmm. Do we really need wing depth if we're thinking like the Jays are going to have their 35, 36 minutes? Like I'm comfortable with Hauser and Brissett and Walsh kind of scooping up the rest of that. And then the big rotation, I don't know, you're going to get somebody better than Cornette? Probably, but how much better? Is it worth it? If Porzingis is hurt, we're screwed. You know, we're not winning the championship anyway, so... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I anticipate be, him being on the team next year. Yeah, I'm getting a sense of like, just let's us hold steady until the trade deadline, right? And see what we've got. Yeah. Like maybe Brissette pops or Bantam pops or, or something like that. And then you have a better sense of like where to go from there. I am very yeah. nervous about the FIBA tournament and Zinger playing for Latvia. Yes. Like, I don't think I'll even be able to watch the games. I just <laughs> like, I, I can't stand that. And I just, you know, with what happened with Gallo last year, I'm, I'm not looking forward to that. I'm praying for an, an early and swift exit for the nation of Latvia in the upcoming FIBA tournament. <laughs> we haven't had a dude who's like that fragile looking on the team. Like Rob Williams gets hurt a lot, but he doesn't like look fragile. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like when someone like falls down near oh. Porzingis, it's going to be terrifying. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> and he's just got so much more limb to fall on as well. And yeah. we're picking yeah. up. But uh, I will say just to wrap up here, I, I did do the 2K thing. I simmed through the 22-23 season, uh, recreated, replicated all the draft moves that, that Brad Stevens uh, did, acquired Kristaps Porzingis and all the other pieces around him, and uh, it's a fire team. Uh, and I'm, uh, oh, yeah. I'm flying up to Byron Bay in a couple of weeks to, to challenge some of my mates in two days worth of, uh, of 2K and FIFA, and I cannot wait to, to use that team to destroy them. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Enjoy, man. That sounds great. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap it up there. A tidy... 33 minutes that's going to do it for this one thank you so much for tuning in thanks to everyone who joined uh, us on the live stream here like i said it's lots of fun having you around uh we're going to be on deck all off season delivering pods whenever anything happens even if it's just rumored we'll be here we're also going to run off season trivia shows we're keeping our get to know the celtics media series running we'll have more original content on our youtube channel we're going to keep it going here it's going to be great in the meantime spoonie love your work mate go celtics see ya. 